Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Well, the place is looking festive, isn't it? Missions weekend is coming this Sunday morning and Sunday night and next Wednesday as well. I hope you'll join us. It's going to be a great time inspiring us to reach the whole world for the Lord. We continue our series in Galatians, Stand Firm in Your Freedom. Last week we talked about the fruit of joy. Joy means a constant calm and composed delight or cheerfulness and the delight of the mind arising from a present assurance of future good. And we compared the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is the result of pleasant or favorable happenings. It's luck or circumstances. Joy is a state of being. and is not depending on our surroundings or situation in life. In fact, the fruit of joy grows best in adverse conditions instead of favorable ones. There are certain plants that that can grow in Alaska. And joy is one of those. It grows best in the frozen tundra of life. (laughs) And then our joy comes from God through the Holy Spirit. Complete joy comes from complete obedience. Joy comes through trusting God. And faith fills us with an inexpressible joy. And joy is the result of rejoicing. We have to do the act of rejoicing before we'll feel the emotion of happiness and joy. So now we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit of peace. How many want more peace in their lives? I think the whole world does. What is, how does the world believe, what do they believe will bring them peace? Those that that don't know the Lord, what do they believe will bring them peace? Money, okay. Anything else? I find it amazing on the money subject that People get that amount of money. Even the richest man in the world wasn't content with his own wife and wanted another person in his life. It's, it, you think all that money would satisfy, but it doesn't satisfy. What are some other ways people think they'll have peace throughout the world? Yes. Yes, they think love. If they, if they can find someone that will love them, they'll finally have peace. What else? Yes. Okay, an absence of conflict. If I don't have any problems in my life, then I'll have peace. And is that true? No, uh, it, is, it may be temporarily, you know. I mean, we'd all love it, no problems in life, no conflict especially. No stress, relationships, or anything else. If we can just have no conflict, then we can have peace. But sometimes the conflict... The, the lack of peace inside is not what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening inside. We can, have, we can have perfect peace out there and yet still have turmoil in our own hearts. So we're going to talk about tonight, and we won't finish it, of course. I never finish it in one session. But I know people need peace in their life, especially during this season. We get into the holiday season. How many know it's not peaceful? It's hectic often it's supposed to be peace on earth but it's it's not always that way and so if you're struggling at all with having peace that you know we're going to define what peace is then i encourage you to really dig into this this fruit that we're studying tonight 
And there are ways that we can have peace no matter what is happening in our lives. Very similar to joy in that, in that sense. So there, I believe, is a desperation for peace. And not just in the world, but even Christians as well. And so let's read our, our text from three different translations. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's in the NIV. Amplified Bible amplifies it. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, or peace. And then I like it in the Message Bible. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, and serenity. That's a, that's a synonym of peace. So let's define peace. Number one. Letter A. Peace. In the Greek, the word is erene. Literally means a state of well-being and rest that comes from a cessation of war. Now that's not just an external war, but it's the war of the mind and the war on the inside. This is further defined. And what I do when I do a word study is I look it up in several different word dictionaries to get a complete overall understanding of that word. It is, so peace is, on the outside, it's a cessation of conflict. It is also, number one, parenthesis, it is the tranquil state of a soul, so assured of its salvation through Christ, and therefore having no fear of anything and being content with everything. How does that sound for peace? So assured of your salvation, you have no fear. You have no worry, you have no concern. Now, number two, parenthesis, the Old Testament meaning of peace, shalom, in the Hebrew, was completeness, soundness, and well-being of the total person. So when you said shalom, you were wishing prosperity and peace and well-being upon them. In the New Testament, number three, peace often refers to the inner tranquility and poise of the Christian whose trust is in God through Christ. So we're getting a complete definition. Externally, it's a cessation of war or conflict on the outside. But peace is also that tranquility of your soul on the inside that is so assured of God's love that you don't, you're not afraid. And it's, it gives us a sense of poise because we know that a lack of peace brings agitation and, and internal conflict. Letter B like joy, the believer can have an inner spiritual peace even in the midst of external conflict. So even if there's something going on on the outside, as Christians, we should be able to have peace on the inside. Now, it's great to have it in both ways. But there are times we cannot, we cannot stop the noise on the outside. Uh, you've probably heard the story of two artists were tasked with painting peace. Just whatever they imagined peace was like. And so one painter painted this green flowing meadow with beautiful trees. And that was his image of peace. But the artist who won painted a, a 
raging waterfall with a stick coming out from the waterfall and at the, in the end of the stick or the branch was a bird's nest and a bird was sleeping over its eggs. And so that's probably the more accurate painting of peace. This, even if there's a raging waterfall, you have this sense of peace. Number one, the fruit of peace is a condition of freedom from an inner turmoil and disturbance, whether or not there are external peaceful conditions. And so we want to get this fruit of peace that we have, we're free from this internal fretting and turmoil and fear. Number two, it is in the midst of trouble that Jesus promised to give us peace. How many know if you're not if you're not in trouble, you don't need peace. But if you're in trouble, and this is again, it's like the fruit of joy. Joy grows best in adverse conditions. Peace is what we need in times of trouble. And guess what? God has promised both. He promised trouble and he promised peace. Let's read it. John 16, in the Amplified Bible. Jesus is speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration and the list goes on and on. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I like that amplification. So Jesus said, yes, in this world you will have trouble, trial, tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world and I have left you with peace. So having trouble in the world is a guarantee. We can, things can be going along great and like we were doing last, last uh, week, driving home from Pismo Beach, the tire was about to blow. So we're, we're trying to get home, and we have this obstacle of a front tire that's, you can see the, the metal threads in the tire. So it's like, great. All my plans, I wanted to get home, because I had to teach the Bible study on Wednesday night. And so one little thing like a tire can rob you of your peace, right? If you let it. But we didn't. We kept our joy, praise the Lord. So trouble, and then you may, you may be going along well, and then you get a medical problem. And so the troubles of life try to rob us of our joy, but Jesus promised that it, there will be trouble, but take heart. He has offered us his peace. So trouble is a guarantee. Peace is offered to us as a guarantee as well. But we don't always have it. We'll, we'll talk more about that. What, take, what robs us of our peace? Number three, while the war rages on the outside, the peace of God will guard the believer on the inside. This is so important. Now, a lot of these scriptures you already know. But I found it fascinating that getting the whole context and how peace is at the center of every one of these verses. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We talked about that. Verse 5, but I want you to, I want you to see that all of these descriptions bring us peace. So rejoicing is important. And number five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. One of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness that we're going we're gonna to study as well. Do not be anxious about anything. And here's, here's how we overcome anxiety. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The, one of the, the ways that will break our anxiety is prayer. I'll find myself sometimes pacing back and forth. You know I like to pace in prayer. But sometimes I'll find myself pacing and I'm thinking and I'm not praying. My mind drifts into my problems. So I'm pacing and, and I'm agitated. I'm not, I'm not peaceful. Prayer brings peace. The practice of prayer. And so one of the ways we combat anxiety is through prayer and thanksgiving. And so if we rejoice, if we express gentleness, if we pray, verse 7 is the result. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, gentleness, no, no, not be anxious, but prayer, all of those will bring us peace. The hardships of life are difficult to understand sometimes. Why we're going through the things we're going through. Why do we have to go through this? And I'm, I'm sure everybody's asked that question. Lord, why me? Why is this happening to me? And we want answers. And a lot of times we think if we get answers, we'll have peace. Okay, God explained it to me. So what if the Lord says, okay, the reason you're having this problem right now is because it's not about you, it's about someone else. Is that going to make you happy? <laughs> if God says, well, the reason you have your, this problem is so I can bless someone else through your problem, through your testimony. And so we may ask, Lord, why did you take my loved one? Lord, why did I have to go through this illness? God, why did I have to lose this job? Lord, why did I have to struggle financially? And we want answers. The problem is, and God knows this, even if God gave us the answer, how many know that wouldn't necessarily give us peace? In fact, if God gave us the answer, it may make us more upset because we may not agree with the answer. <laughs> and so... Instead of saying, God, give me an answer, instead of saying, why me? Which is a, the question, we should say, Lord, please give me peace. Not necessarily the answer, but I'd rather have the peace. Because the answers won't always satisfy. They won't always give us the peace we're hoping for. But God offers us something better than answers. He offers us peace. And so we have to find a way to not only have peace, but to keep it and to walk in it and to live in it. 
Number four, and this is a fact, both biblically and medically, peace is largely a state of mind. Peace is not just the, the absence of conflict on the outside. Peace is between our ears. It's a mental thing. Look at Isaiah 26.3 in the Amplified. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you, speaking to God. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. God will give peace to the mind of a person who is thinking about him, whose thoughts are fixed on Jesus. And so this is, this is so important. Peace is a state of mind. It's what we think about. It's what we dwell on. And if we dwell on our problems, we're, we're going to lack peace. We're going to have stress and turmoil in our hearts. If we dwell on God's promises, not our problems, but his promises, if, if we let that be our thoughts, it's going to bring peace to our soul. So if, do we believe this is true? So why don't we have this constant peace? Maybe you do. Tell me how. Somebody, rescue me. If this is what the word says, if our, if our thoughts and our mind is fixed on the Lord, God will give us perfect peace. Yes. You just start praying. And that, that is a great, great step toward finding peace. What else? Why, why, don't we, why don't we have the peace of mind constantly? Clutter. Okay, there's clutter in our mind. Yes. Okay, we're not meditating on the word of God. Good. What, what are some other reasons we don't have constant peace? Yes. Okay, we don't have, we don't have faith. And, and the, the core of Christianity is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And our faith is based on God's promises, God's character, and what he's done. Hasn't he got us? You're sitting in this pew means that God got you through a lot of things. And because he got you through a lot of those things, you should have peace of mind. I should have peace of mind. I've been a Christian a long time. And, and you know, there's a song we saw that we sing. He hasn't failed me yet. And that's the truth. Now, he may have not done things like we wanted or expected. But that's where faith comes in. We trust him anyway. But God promises if we will dwell on him and his word that he will bring peace to our mind. You know, and again, the Bible tells us to meditate, not like the Eastern religions. The Eastern religions teach meditation is to empty your mind. And that's dangerous because how many know when something's empty, the devil's ready to fill it? That's what Jesus said. If a demon goes out of a man and comes back and finds the place empty, he'll bring back seven more demons. And so it's not about emptying our mind. 
It's about filling our mind, not with clutter, because that's an important thing, is meditating on God's word. And so this is how you, if you don't know how to meditate on God's word, let me show you. We look at Isaiah 26.3. You will guard him and keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you. So we, st we stop, we, we repeat that over, we memorize it, we speak the word. We say, Lord, help me to live this. I just want to dwell on your peace. I want to dwell on your promise. And we, we turn it over. The Bible teaches that meditation, one of the words means to, it's similar to chew the cud. How many know that a cow has multiple stomachs? It chews it, swallows it, brings it back up, chews it, swallows it. That's what biblical meditation is. You bring it up, the word of God. You meditate on it, you, you swallow it, you bring it back up. And so meditation does require some, some peace and quiet. You know, some alone time. So you, everybody needs their alone time. Uh, it may be in your car, you know, it may be in your garage, whatever it may be. And we see this, the emphasis on our thought life in Romans 8, 6. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So if our mind is controlled by our sinful nature, it, it brings death. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to control our thoughts and our mind, it brings life and peace. And so I believe a lot of the turmoil and the lack of peace that we struggle with is because we, our thoughts are not controlled by the Spirit. And so how do, we, how do we change that? Because how many know that we all have our own habits of thinking? We have our own way of thinking. And when you create that habit of thought, for example, let's say your, your normal inclination is negative. You expect the worst. How many know that's a hard habit to break? But it's got to be broken. And you break it by doing the opposite. You start dwelling on positive things and you turn it over in your mind. And so it's, it's all about our thought life. How have you been able to, to have the right thoughts and the th right thought habits in your life? Anybody? Yes. Amen. That's right. It doesn't change what Jesus did for me on the cross. That's a profession of faith. That's good. Scott? We start our day with the word. I have to admit, sometimes I start my day with Fox News. You know, my phone's right there, and I wake up and I say, oh, "What's the news?" You know, and and how many know that's or Facebook, right? How many know that's not the best way to start your day? If we can start our day with with the word, with prayer, with the Lord, that will keep us through throughout the day meditating on God's word. Yes. 
Yes. Very true. It's, it's, you know, it's okay to read secular material because sometimes we need to know what's going on in the world and, and know how to address that as long as we balance it with Scripture. That's a very good point. And that keeps us grounded as well. Someone else? Yes. Okay, have, having good habits, a good, good routine. Yes. 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 Excellent. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And what's interesting, that, that word, those words sound mind also means self-discipline. And they work together. If you're going to have a sound mind, you need to discipline your thought life. Yes, very good. Okay, so, so peace is a mental thing. If we want peace in our hearts... We have to have the right thoughts in our minds. And number five, peace should govern our decisions. How many know that God leads us through peace or a lack of peace? I, I've shared this before. One time, Jolene and I, on, our, on my day off, we decided to go shop for pickups. This is when we had only just been just married a couple years. And... We're just going to go test drive a pickup, Ford Ranger. And before I know it, they've got my keys. They're offering me a price on our, our Dodge Colt. And I'm just about to buy this Ford pickup that I cannot afford. And Jolene's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And we had no peace whatsoever. And so I finally had to say, I need my keys back. They had already had my keys for my car and we're ready to go. And that was one of the hardest things to walk away from. But as soon as I walked away from it, guess what? Peace. Oh, Lord, thank you for not, for not allowing me to, to ruin my financial well-being. And so God guides us through peace. This is what helps us make decisions. If you don't have peace over a decision, don't do it. Because this is how often the Lord guides us in our decisions. Let's read Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified Bible. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state, to which as members of Christ's one body you were called to live and be thankful Appreciative, giving praise to God always. Peace in decisions. And a lot of our peace comes from bad, our, our lack of peace comes from bad decisions, right? Bad decisions can take away our peace. And so peace guides us in our decision making. Should we take that job? Should we make that move? Should we marry that person? A lot of those decisions are guided by the, the peace of the Lord. And there have, been, there have been so many times that Jolene and I just didn't have peace about something. And usually when we both don't have peace, then we know this is not what we're supposed to be doing. And, and then there are other times 
where maybe not everything out there looks perfect, but inside we feel peace. We, we know this is going to be a difficult decision or a difficult challenge ahead of us, but we have peace. Let the peace of Christ rule like an umpire in your life. Let let the peace called the balls and strikes now that we're, you know, done with the World Series and the Dodgers weren't there. Peace is an umpire. And that's what that word means in the Greek. Let the peace of God rule like an umpire. Call the shots in your decisions. And, that will, and so we, not only will peace help us make the decisions, we'll feel peace when we make the right decisions. Now, number six the peace Jesus gives is different than the peace as defined by the world. And we know this scripture, but let's read it in the NIV and the New Living Translation. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the New Living Translation, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Do you know how many people in the world just want peace of mind? I'd say there's so many people longing for peace of mind. And that is the gift Jesus has given us. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And so the world is looking for a different kind of peace than what the Lord offers. And the world's peace does not satisfy. We talked about it early. Having enough money, having enough, having, you know, our right relationships or the relationships we want. We think those things will bring us peace. But it's not those things. It's the gift that God gives. It's a different kind of peace. And number seven, and I'm, I don't want to go all the way into this, this is where we're going to leave off for next, for in two weeks. In fact, Jesus did not come to bring a worldly peace. And we're going, to, we're going to break that down next week. In fact, it says, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So some peace is not good. And so we'll unpack that next week. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that as we began to worship tonight, I felt your peace. Lord, I just, I just sensed your spirit settle on us. There is peace in your presence. No matter what we're struggling with, no matter what stress we have in our life, Lord, we can still have your peace. Show us how. Because many of us have the wrong thought life. We have the wrong mental habits. And Lord, we immediately react and fall into those habits instead of meditating, trusting, and leaning on your word. And so Lord, I just pray you would help us because you said you came to give us peace. And so if we're not experiencing peace of mind, and peace of heart, it's not something wrong with you. It's something missing in us. And I pray you would reveal that to us, Lord. Because you want your, your sons and daughters to have peace of mind, peace of heart.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.